Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday. Uh, usually, um, my man Patrick's trying to soothe the uh, tortured soul of some sports fan who had to deal with their team catching the L over the weekend. Not the case for Longhorn fans. Uh, Longhorn fans right now still buzzing from Texas getting a big win over K-State over the weekend at K-State on the road. Uh, Sark's second true road win of his tenure here at Texas. It was big. Actually, his first big win over a top 15 team, too. So you definitely can call it a signature win. And if it it's a signature win. It'd be the first one for Sark since he's been here at Texas. So we'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian from his Monday press conference. You heard live right here on uh, 104.9 The Horn, 11-ish, uh, like you do every <laughs> Monday during the season. Uh, but, Harge, before we get to that, and we'll get to, obviously, breaking down Texas K-State here in a second, and I'll continue that in Raj Round of the Day, by the way. So you got two segments, uh, just straight Texas football going behind the burnt orange curtain. There's some uh, recruiting buzz that is just taking over Longhorn Twitter that we at least got to throw out there a little bit. Yeah. So earlier today, um, and forgive me uh, recruiting uh, Nicks out there if I don't get every detail correct here, but I believe an Oklahoma inside uh, recruiting analyst, an Oklahoma insider, his name is Parker Thune, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, He entered a 247 Sports crystal ball prediction. On uh, earlier today for Cone Vasic, and he's a I mean, he's a Sooner guy, right? He covers yep. Sooner recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, predicted on Monday for Vasic to flip his commitment to the Longhorns, um, mm-hmm. and he has been pretty steadfast in his uh, verbal commitment to the Sooners, even though. They've been going through their share of issues. <clears throat> hey, Longhorns have gone through their fair share, too, by the way. No doubt. So, <laughs> people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, that kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people were surprised to hear a, a Oklahoma insider make that prediction for Colton Vasek. And then there's also been talk that his social media um, has kind of his, his social media description and has changed has changed a little bit too. I don't follow Cole Vasek, so I apologize. I'm not cyber stalking a young man, but just uh, kind of regurgitating some of the discussion on Twitter in the Twitterverse that also that he's changed his bio on some of his social media, which also <laughs> referenced the Sooners at one point, no longer does. Well, to your point, there's been more than um, one person within the 24-7 network that has also crystal ball Colton Vassick okay, to go. the University of Texas. Uh, even Hudson uh, Standish that we yeah, hear here yeah. on the show. He does a good job. He does a good job. He has got him at an eight 
which is very high. Okay. Um, so that looks like he's there. So something's happening. So a lot has some smoke. There's some smoke. We ain't There's seen no fire yet, no. but it's, it's a lot of smoke, man. I keep looking across the street <laughs> to see if oh, I yeah, can see something. See if we can see the is smoke. Is it burnt orange smoke, or is it like the that white smoke? You know, when the, exactly. the cloud, the pope, or whatever. You got to sit there and look at all man. of that. Let's go back to the f- point of what our man Bucky Gabo always says as a recruiter. You stay at that kid's house hey. until he has to sign that paperwork and, and continue to recruit, continue to put it out there. And remember, it was uh, Arch Manning that told him that weekend Very true. Vasek went to the mm-hmm. the game right. with him. But so that, the, what game was Iowa State? What I think it was the Iowa State game. game. I believe it was. It was yeah, I think it was too. Um, so they yeah, all have been kind of in contact and – Everybody's saying, come on home, come on home, because you're right around the corner. Uh, and isn't he and a, your a legacy? legacy. I was going to yeah, say, and yeah. isn't he a legacy? I think that's more so, well, for Longhorn fans, yeah. it hurts a little more that he would go to the rival as a legacy. Uh, but, yeah, he it looks like Colton Vasek could be potentially uh, flipping his commitment, or at least opening up, maybe I should say that, opening up his commitment. Uh, but that's just smoke right now, nothing mm-hmm. substantive. It hasn't come from that young man yet, uh, and that's probably where we need to hear it from. Okay, also, got to throw this out there, because Longhorn fans are buzzing about this too. Five-star prospect Anthony Hill mm-hmm. has decommitted from the Aggies. Earlier today, a report confirmed uh, from my friends over at Horns 24-7 that Denton Ryan 2023 five-star linebacker Anthony Hill will visit Texas this weekend for the TCU game. Game day is going to be in town, so we have an electric atmosphere. Man, oh, man. It's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. It's lit. It's like a flex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that also is happening, and there are a lot of folks that believe that if he's opening up his commitment, I won't read his entire statement, uh, but that means Longhorns. They're in the running. Yep. He, 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 along with other schools, I'm sure, but the Absolutely. Longhorns are one of those schools that would be in the running for Anthony Hill, who is considered by some to be the best defensive prospect in the state. As a linebacker, and that's one of the positions you and I have been talking about the entire time. Hey, man, look at Jalen Ford. Exactly. Development, young man. That's was, the selling point that right there. was a three-star that could yes. end up becoming defensive player of the year in the Big 12. Speaking you of that, he sell? got player of the week. He got player of the week, defensive player of the week for he the second it. time. He deserves it, yeah. by the way. Um, so he could end up being defensive player of the year. And to your point, Harge, that's I, I just lay down that <laughs> you know exactly. I mean, that example of oh man, we can develop linebackers here. We'll, no. we'll, we'll turn you. And I think Demarvin Overshawn will end up being an NFL linebacker. For now sure. it looks like Jalen Ford is an NFL caliber gonna linebacker. Put, he's going to well. put himself in the conversation now. Uh, man, he's certainly putting himself in that conversation. Yeah. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Yeah, he, uh, he's playing some really good football so right now. if the Longhorns can, um, you know, really kind of catalyze this momentum mm-hmm. uh, that they have going right now from the K-State win, carry it over to TCU and get a win over a top-five team, be the first time since 1999 that that would have happened, uh, you can be talking about a wave, a windfall of recruiting momentum. To yeah, back that up, that's so, a huge, huge get. So that would be, if that, that, that happens, would, that might put them over the top. As whew. well, think That'd about be. it. When we were talking about uh, Vasic before, the lean that he has, that leverage that he's been able to play with. I got a chance to watch him play in that Lake Travis game. Okay, he was causing problems on every single play. He may not have gotten there on the play, but he was causing problems and disrupting every drop back, every run. And he was making some of those plays because he's so long with his arms, his yep. reach is so good that he's just swiping people and getting them down to the ground. Yeah, uh, no, you're right. He's, I mean, he's a freak. 
Uh, yeah. that's, he wanted to try to compile and try to be able to stockpile as many of those guys as you can. They recruit yeah. class, and uh, that's what Texas is trying to do. Uh, let's get back to the Texas team, uh, at the one right now, the one at present, because uh, they just had a huge moment of growth uh, by, by being able to beat a top 15 team on the road. Yes, they had a double-digit lead. Yes, they had a lead at halftime. Yes, they had a fourth-quarter lead. Um, and uh, for a while, it got tight there, and it got yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Texas found a way to get to get the victory, and I think that's the uh, the growth that we're talking about. They found a way to make enough plays in clutch time to get the win at K-State. Harsh, to me, my biggest, and I obviously we have a lot of different layers to this thing we can break down, but to me, I think the biggest factor in them winning the game Obviously, Bijan Robinson. Yep. I mean, they just put Bijan on it. Thirty rushes, two hundred nine uh, rushing yards. One hundred twenty of those came after contact. That's what I was about to say. Eight missed tackles for us. He now has seven hundred eighty-one uh, rush yards after contact. That is first in the Power Five. Seventy-three forced missed tackles. That is also first <laughs> in the Power Five. And K-State rush defense, it wasn't no punk. Uh, they were allowing only 133 rushing yards per game in total. Bijan had 149 at halftime. Uh-huh. <laughs> Letting you know what's going on. Man, he put yeah. it on. He, they, I don't think there's anybody this year has made that K-State defense look so helpless. Now, he did it for a half, and they made adjustments. But that first half, that's where the game was won, and it was won on the back of Bijan. Hey, he made it happen, and he continued to make it happen. It was play after play. Anytime he touched the ball, and, and the thing about it is the, his elusiveness in a, a, a small space. Yeah, He's making people miss. And you talked about it earlier, Rob, when you talked about the Texas Tech game. That was the first time somebody one-on-one they got him clean. They hit, yeah, he, he, he didn't make him miss. It's rare. He got, yeah, and that was a very rare look. But every time I look at Bijan and the way he starts to get going throughout the game, he's one of those guys that if he gets the ball consistently – He's going to put up positive numbers every single time. You know, we always talk about people getting lathered up. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready to go. That mm-hmm. kid is ready to go from the very first play. We saw it on when he got into the hole and he made that long run, that great run, the first one. But we also saw it on the screen pass. We saw how yep. elusive he was and how his vision and the way he sets up his blockers and he also sets up those, those defenders. He does. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And – now the conversation is being changed. It is. He's now okay. becoming one of those guys. You have to put him in the Heisman Trophy conversation. We talked about it at the beginning of the year, Rod, and you said if he's not up for awards, they failed him. Now he's getting to the point where now they're starting to use him, and now he's showcasing his abilities. Yeah, that guy should be in New York Yep. Uh, as a Heisman finalist. He should also be winning national awards, which I think he will. And he should also end up being the first running back drafted. He should be all three. Uh, I don't know if he'll be all three, but right. he should at least be two of those three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or something went horribly wrong because he is he is just that good. He's the first back, uh, the first player, I should say, to rush for uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard season since Vince Young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, he's, uh, he's obviously doing some things that haven't been done on the 40 acres before. Uh, and, yeah, I think Sark has found the recipe, right? He's got two true road wins since he came to Texas. One at TCU, Purple Kryptonite. Purple and kryptonite. then one at K-State. And those are also Purple the kryptonite. only <laughs> exactly, only two games where Bijan has rushed the football for at least 30 rushes in a game. So yeah. in, I think total he ended up with 65 rushes 
in the two true road wins combined for Sark. If you look at it totally, I think in totality he has 69 touches in that TCU game last year on the road. The Texas got the win and the K-State win this past weekend for 481 yards, 6.9 yards per touch. Mm. Uh, in those road wins. And yeah, you had the ride. Like I said, 69 touches. That's a lot. You're talking about 34 plus touches per game yeah. on the road. But I do believe for Sark, this this year, this is going to be your recipe to win on the road. It has to be. You got to slather it in Bijan. Put it's, some Bijan on it. Because we know you played well at home thus far. You 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 seem to show up when Texas plays at home. And yeah. they, they the energy is a little bit different. But when you're going into these big games, and we said, he talked about it too. Everybody remembers what you do in November. Hmm. That was a good start to November. You got the dub. You got out to a good lead. And I talked about if you score first, you got a good chance of winning the game because K-State, when they score, they win the game. They have not lost a game when they scored first this year. So there was a lot that was going into that, and that was going through my mind. But you got a guy that you you said, we're going to put it on your back. He did it. He ran the ball hard. He was very effective in the passing game. They only got it to him twice in the passing game. Yeah. But that one big play at the very beginning when you ran the screenplay, that was something that I thought you were talking about it earlier too, Rod. Why would you have success with something and not come back with it? I just don't understand yeah, that part I, I, of it either. I don't remember seeing it again, honestly. Right. I didn't. Yeah. Not to him. Yeah, not to not him. To him mm-hmm. Where he made that play. And those are some of the things that I'm like, nah. I didn't see – uh, worthy in the backfield again either. Why have we not put him back out there? We needed to do that some yeah. more. Uh, well, There's yeah. certain things they, that you can bring back and, and use them in the second half. Yeah, Those are successful plays. Yeah. No, Ed Sark is not big on, as I call, playing the hits. He doesn't play the hits very often. <laughs> uh, things that hit on in the first half, you should probably just bring them back in the second half. That also would be something that could help out Sark with the second half play calling, which we'll get back to that conversation too. Uh, but let's hear from uh, Sark because it's a big week, of course, facing TCU, top five team. You got uh, game day coming to town. Uh, the big advantage for Texas and I mean, you knew this at the beginning of the year, but now it's even more uh, of a of a headline, and it's a attention grabbing headline. You know, Gary Patterson probably can give you the most thorough scouting report on uh, about TCU than Man. anybody else in the country. Anybody else on your staff, nobody can give you a better scouting report on TCU, and that's a huge advantage Texas has right now with Gary Patterson being on the staff as the assistant to the head coach. Here is um, Steve Sarkeesian earlier. He was asked, I think it was Dennis Della Pena that asked him about Gary Patterson and his impact this week when they're facing TCU. Man, I was going to see who was going to ask the first question about Coach P. Uh, it's been great for Coach P. You know, we're, we're lucky to have him on our team. I'll say that. You know, I know he served, you know, 22 great years there at TCU. Uh, I think that program's in the in the place that it's in because of the work that he did. Uh, and that should not go unnoticed. Uh, the, a lot of those kids on that roster he recruited, and it's a very talented roster. Uh, but we're lucky to have him on our team. Uh, and I know he's uh, he's doing his normal deal, what he does throughout the week to help get us prepared. Yeah, um, you know, we've been talking about Gary Patterson's impact all year long, mm-hmm. and there's no question his defense has made a tremendous turnaround, Harge. Uh, we've talked about it, and that's another place you should go. we should go to in reviewing this Texas-K-State yeah. matchup. Um, talking about, obviously, Gary Patterson and what he's done, and all week long we'll be talking about that impact. But And I'm sure he's had an impact on this Texas rush defense um, overall. Uh, but 
Bo Davis probably should get most of the credit from the in terms of the coaches mm-hmm. because he's working with those guys. And even Kendrick Colburn uh, admitted in the post game he owes. Bo Davis a lot. <laughs> Tommy owes him a huge debt of gratitude um, because of the improvement that Kendrick Colburn has made. But Harge, when you look at that K-State rushing offense, and even them starting Adrian Martinez, which I think was a statement by Chris Kleiman, and it was a statement by Colin Klein, that the way we're going to beat Texas, we're going to beat them with our running game. Right. And we believe the best way to beat Texas is to beat them with the ground game. I think that's the statement they make. Because they had a Will Howard over there, and if they wanted to throw Will Howard out there, I think the – it would have been a statement as to the way that they wanted to beat Texas. Right. They believe was the best way to beat Texas was to exploit Texas in the passing game. They didn't do that. They wanted to run the rock, which I think was a mistake. I do Because Texas' rush defense has been stout all year long. You they brought, haven't given up a 100 yards on the ground. They haven't given up a 100-yard rusher. To, to a rusher, yeah. yeah all, all year long. Yep. Uh, and you brought that up even before the game. And I think, you know, by the time I got to Friday, I'd been saying, you know what, I changed my mind if I was preparing for Texas. I'd rather see Adrian Martinez, yep. and I don't want to see Will Howard. Agreed. And that, that K-State, if they were going to play Texas and try to beat Texas by exploiting their weaknesses and vulnerabilities, that they should have started Will Howard because he can throw. And yeah, you beat Texas. You beat Texas by throwing the football. You don't beat yep. Texas by trying to run on Texas. You can't Texas, run it down that throw. Texas is one of the best run defenses in the country, yeah. if not one of the best you know, in the Big 12. So I, I, I do think that they made a miscalculation there. Uh, and that's why I think Texas and that Texas defensive front – they behind Bijan, they're probably the second most important factor in you winning this game because they held Deuce Vaughn in that running attack for K State to three point nine yards per rush. Uh, that's their second lowest output of the season yep. in terms of yards per carry. And that was after the first quarter because that first quarter they were they were getting to where they wanted to go. Because remember we you were sitting there because yeah. the way that he was getting through the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage, he had seven rushes mm-hmm. for forty four yard forty three yards. And his long was 11, and he has 6.1 yards per carry. And even Adrian Martinez, who had the three rushes for 22 yards, he had 7.3 yards to start off the game. But that was just the first quarter. And going back to your point, team made adjustments. They, they started smothering them they and did. getting in the backfield. They were started getting that pressure mm-hmm. upfield. As, as our man Kenny Sims said, it's okay to put the face on them. It's okay to smash yeah, some smash face. Some, they, was, they it's were okay to still some smash face. some face, man. That's right. They were getting after <laughs> it. So that was, a, that was a good thing and a good adjustment. And I'm with you, Rob. When we first thought Adrian Martinez was going to be the starting quarterback – because we saw it right before kickoff, we were like, okay, hold up. What's, what, what, what are they seeing that we're not seeing they see that they we've been talking about? And they wanted to run the rock. But you look at Adrian Martinez, he threw for 329 yards <clears throat> throughout. He did. Yeah. Well, imagine what Will Howard would have done. Oh, I know. Because Will Howard, as we all agree, much better passer than Adrian Martinez. And my thing was, I think if they knew they were going to be throwing the ball that much, they'd have started – the more capable passer. And I think the reason, too, they they thought their defense was going to be able to hold Texas, and we went through it. That's we just true. saw That's what true. their defense did. It was eight, 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 eight plays, 75 yards, eight plays, 75 mm. yards, eight plays, 75 yards, yeah. all touchdowns. And that is when they were like, uh-oh, yeah, Texas, we got to start throwing the football No, you're now. right. It's a good point. Cause, uh, and then they had the, the, the targeting calls. Yep, yep. So they had one they, of the starters. They lost their starter. They lost their, one of the starting yep. safeties. Yep. And Texas averaged 8.5 yards per play on the first three possessions. And that's where Texas basically won the game was in the first half. Yeah. They won it. Uh, and they were Literally coming, in the first half. Yeah, and coming, <laughs> uh, coming off a of bye week, yep. give uh, Sark some credit. 
He had a great game plan dialed up. And once again, proven that Texas rarely loses the battle of game plan in preparation to any opponent. Yeah. What's happening to Sark and the coaches is they're losing the battle of adjustments. They're losing the chess match within the game. Doesn't always mean you lose the game, uh, but they're definitely being outplayed and outcoached probably the entire second half overall as a team. Yeah. But plays are being made. Jalen Ford. Yeah. <laughs> Plays are being made. Keontae Keontae Colburn. Colburn. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Plays are being made. So uh, that's what you got to do. I mean, yeah. at, at one point, we're starting to see guys step up and make individual clutch plays in clutch time. Yeah. We saw it now with State game. That's what won the game for him there. That and a heavy dose of Bijan and Rojo. And even in this game, it was a heavy dose of Bijan. Yep. But then ultimately, you just needed some of your leaders to step up and make a damn play. And they did. And he did. And they did. They can't. I mean, they and that's did. why Adrian Martinez, you know, usually very careful with the football. Yes. Texas turned him over. Yeah. Turned him over twice, but also should have had more. Yeah, there was a time. There was a couple some balls of that were dropped too. Yeah, and, he, and he had a couple of strips. Yeah, there couple was strips yes. in there yeah. that, that Texas just couldn't. Obviously, the ball doesn't bounce away all the time. But I, I thought Texas did a great. I thought Texas had a great game plan ready for Adrian Martinez. And you talked about this, Harsh. We don't know. We know Texas had a game plan for Will Howard and for Adrian Martinez, but we don't know what that Will Howard game plan was. Right. And I wondered at one time if they were going to go, you know what, let's see what that Will Howard game plan and is. And that was and one of my biggest it. questions, too. It's like, how did it. you not try it? I had to try it. You were, I mean, you, you were kill, sputtering. A, Martinez wasn't killing it. No, like he you was, were sputtering. Yeah, you were sputtering. I you, thought they were going to do it. They never did. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing, and I was yeah. like, oh, let's see what he's doing. But he's standing there and – our man CB saying he believes that they were trying to preserve his red shirt, but you need to win games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you already in there, but yeah. this was an opportunity for no, you. It, it, listen, Texas had a great game plan ready for Adrian Martinez and give Texas a ton of credit uh, because they made him look pedestrian. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, it's, we know he's an elite runner. Uh, with the football, uh, he did not. He made some plays. He made he some did. plays. He scrambled, he made some plays. I'm not saying he didn't make plays, uh, but he he did not overwhelm Texas with his legs. And uh, Texas was able to make enough plays defending the pass. Adrian Martinez. But my concern would be that they had a more capable passer in there. They probably would have made more plays in the yeah. passing game too. Um, so well, we'll get back to it, obviously because I want to get into uh, some of the second half woes, please. Uh, that Texas has been dealing with. They found a way to get the dub. That's the growth. All right. Mm-hmm. The the continued growth and evolution and development of the team will be all right. Now, how do you play a second half as good as you played the first half, or how do you just play a four quarter game? Yeah, they're still a, they're still a three quarter team for the most part. They still they won that game without playing all four quarters. Yeah, because there was a lot of action that was going on in the first two. Exactly. And right? Then yeah, we yeah. had to figure out yeah. the last. So two. We, what we want is all yeah. three phases playing all four quarters. Absolutely. And have we had that so far this year for Texas? Yeah. I don't know if we have all three phases played all four quarters yet. Man. I think they've been close. They've had like all three phases played three and a half quarters. Right. But they had all three phases How played brother four get all quarters. Four. How do I get and some change for the four you quarters? You want all four. Yeah, I want and all they, four. They, they, they were close. They were yeah. close. They're getting closer to having the complete game. Yeah, no That's doubt. the growth. All right, so we come back. We'll talk about the second half woes, but you're not. Hey. We can talk second half walls when we got a dub. We got a dub. When you're talking about a dub, Robbie ain't gonna be screaming about second yeah. half walls. Yeah. I'm gonna have a nice, cool, calm conversation about these second half walls. And it's like, oh, well, it's all good. Yeah. We're gonna get past it. Yeah. I can see the light at the other end of the tunnel. They see it. They it's flickering it. it's right, right there. there. I, I didn't see know if it was a train right? last time yeah. I saw it, but now it might be an actual light. <laughs> yeah, see, it ain't flavor aid. It's Kool Aid. <laughs> there it is. When you're getting the dub. All right, so is. we're gonna drink a little Kool Aid while we talk about these second half walls for Texas. Also, I'm already. 
great doing research about TCU. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like Texas can beat TCU. I know they're undefeated, but they are beatable. We know they're beatable because they've been down double digits yeah, in most of their games. So how does Texas beat TCU? I'm already doing research, already breaking it down. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, talk about that on the other side in Rod's rant of the day right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to not the horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I want to start getting into a little TCU uh, talk here, um, but... First, I want to talk about the Texas second-half issues. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Corey, can we have cut five ready to go, start talking about his second-half offense uh, on his Monday uh, press conference. You heard it live right here on 104.9 on The Horn. And, and Sark is not ignoring it, by the way, and I don't think he gets offended by people asking about it. I think he understands it's an issue. Um, he doesn't want it to di- to take away from the the growth and the accomplishments uh, that the team um, has been able uh, to kind of, you know, so far this year that they've been able to garner. But he understands that w- the narrative right now surrounding his coaching and his play calling have to do with his inability to adjust in the second half. Uh, and I've been following this for a long time, you guys know, because I've been talking about it since yep. last season. And I think I know what it was. It's my same theory as last season. I don't think it's changed that much. Uh, but I do think for Sark, he needs to, if he hasn't already, start coming up with creative solutions to solve this problem. Because now it's, like I said, one time is an outlier, two times is coincidence, three times is a trend, four times a pattern, five times. That's habitual, man. That's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And right now, Sark, as a play caller, is the arguably the best play caller in the country in the first half. And then he's arguably <laughs> one of the worst play callers in the country in the second half. It's crazy. I mean, he is like a tale, literally a tale of two play callers in the right. first half and the second half. And this is now over two seasons. So not that Sark hadn't gotten better. Sark has improved a lot uh, as a head coach and even as a play designer and a coordinator. But still, I think he has a lot of growth to um, – Really, in it, really to, to, to start winning the battle of adjustments within the game. And I don't know exactly how you improve on that either. I'm not saying that I know exactly what he needs to do. I'm just identifying what the problem is, and I think everybody has done that. Well, here's Sark in his Monday presser earlier today talking about uh, the second-half woes offensively that have plagued this team. Too many self-inflicted wounds, really on both sides of the ball, but... You can't you can't have pre-snap penalties, you know, and then you can't have multiple pre-snap penalties in the same drive, you know. As we were taking, you know, two steps forward, we were taking one step backwards, and inevitably, you put yourself in third and long scenarios against a good defense. The, the game gets hard. Um, you know, we had a couple other, you know, one that was a short yardage third down scenario wasn't the best call by me. They stopped us. Uh, we had another third down that we convert. We fumbled the ball. Uh, so a lot of it was really self-inflicted wounds. Uh, I, I assume some of that blame. I think our players can tell you they would assume some of it. You know, we, we understand we can't jump off sides. Um, so inevitably, it's more about what we did opposed to what they did, and those something that uh, we'll continue to work on to get better at. 
All right, now he's right about that. There were some self-inflicted wounds, and I believe in the second half, Texas start had drives, had three different drives out of their five drives in the second half where they had to go first and 15 um, because of a penalty, uh, a pre-snap penalty by the offense. So that is an issue. But that hasn't been a consistent issue for the last two years. <laughs> that's just that's just one, you know, kind of outlier issue in this game that did affect Texas negatively in the second half. In addition to all of the, you know, uh second half, you know, n- n- second half offensive issues you've had, that's just in addition to it. So I don't necessarily think that the penalties, although they are a problem, I don't think they're systemic. I don't think that's something that has existed that I have actually been found as something as a common denominator with all the losses that Texas had, either when they're up big in the second half uh, or up at halftime or up in the fourth quarter and end up either losing those games or losing that lead. So this is my theory, and I've said it over and over again. I truly believe this is what's wrong with Sark. I just don't know why Sark uh, becomes more conservative in the second half. But I have tracked it, and I tracked it last season too. And last season he actually admitted it. Last season he admitted that the reason that he gets more conservative in the second half compared to the first half was because of his lack of trust in his players, which was somewhat understandable because it was a new system, brand-new quarterbacks. And so he, he put a little bit on, well, I, he said, I should trust them more to do a lot of more of the exotic, elaborate concepts in the second half compared to the first half. But he said he didn't last season. Understandable. And I, and I get it. And I was glad that he admitted that later on in the season because my, it actually backs up my theory as to what's wrong with Sark's offense in the second half. So, like I said, I don't know why this is the case, but I'm just giving you the what. I'm not giving you actually the why. I don't know the why. Nobody knows the why. Only he knows the why. You know, the man in the mirror knows the why. Sark's offense is a simple offense to understand for me, a football theorist. I think of it as a gumbo, an assemblage of a lot of different conceptual signatures and force multipliers and cheat codes. Tons of them. And they're formational. They're personnel packages. They are conceptual um, sometimes they are tactical, strategic, but he, his point is he, he wants to overload the circuitry of the defense, overload their processing unit so that they end up making mental mistakes, almost too much information for them to process prior to the snap and post-snap. That's what he does a really good job of. And he does it, like I said, formation, does a lot of different stuff. You can, and you can track it with bunch sets and condensed formations. You can track it with his pre-snap motion. You can track it with targets in motion. You can track it with RPOs. You can track it with play-action pass. You can track it with uh, the different formations, multi-back sets. You want to track it that way. You can track it with the empty formations. You can track, I, I track, and I actually track all these things individually, all right? And what I've noticed from the first half to the second half, in the K-State game, it seems to track. It's the same thing. From the first half, which was a magnificent first half, one of the greatest first halves of football we've ever seen in the history of Texas football. It beautiful. Really was. It really beautiful. was. Against a really good defense, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right? So from the first half to the second half, I tracked and charted fewer empty formations, less pre-snap motion, less targets to motion, fewer multi-back sets, fewer six offensive linemen sets, the Big 12 package we always talk about, fewer RPOs, fewer deep shots. Some people say you probably should be taking fewer deep shots. But my point is that... All those different things. Now, there are some things that, that their, their rates actually go up in the second half. In the K-State game, uh, rates of play-action pass went up. Uh, rates of your bunch sets and condensed sets did go up. So you did have two conceptual signatures that increased from the uh, first half to the second half. 
But my theory would be, and, I, and te- I look at Texas Oklahoma State game. I went and looked at it too. You had lower rates of pre-snap motion um, from the first half to this compared to the the second half. Uh, so we have lower rates of pre-snap motion in the second half compared to the first half. Low, lots of uh, less play action pass, less bunch formation, less condensed sets, less multi back sets, less empty formation. You get the point. Texas Tech game, fewer targets to motion, fewer multi back sets. Um, Fewer wildcat formations, fewer six o line packages, fewer empty sets, fewer bunch formations and condensed sets. Um, U.S. had a lower first down pass rate. He was actually trying to throw the ball and break tendency then. Um, fewer play action passes as well. So my point is that you have all of these different little force multipliers, conceptual signatures, these things that he he pretty much throws a, into a gumbo, right, and forces the defense to have to digest. All this different stuff and try to do it really quickly, pre-snap and post-snap. And most of the time they end up screwing it up. Guys end up running wide open. That's the beauty of Sark's offense. Well, why would you have fewer of those conceptual signatures? Why would you have fewer um, cheat codes? Why would you have fewer force multipliers in the second half compared to the first half? My idea would be, first thing for Sark, just do more of all of it. Track your own rates of it. And instead of less rates of pre-snap motion, how about more? Instead of fewer targets to motion, how about more in the second half? Instead of fewer bunch formation condensed sets, how about more? More multi-back sets. And I know it sounds pretty simple and rudimentary, but that's the, to me, that's the DNA of his offense. His offense, people think it's all complicated because you guys haven't extrapolated every different conceptual signature like I have. And once I've extrapolated all of them and broken them down individually, I can tell you he's doing less of what makes his offense unique in the second half compared to the first half. And my, my, my question will be, why? Is it the adjustments made by the opponents? And if that's the case, why are you allowing your opponents to dictate what your offense is? <laughs> that's that, a, we do what we do. Yeah, that's that's what your said, first right? mistake if that yeah. is the case, right? Yeah, if you're allowing right. the, the adjustment to turn your offense into a – a less sophisticated version of itself and a very basic version of itself, then we got to address that. We got to psychoanalyze Sark and address that issue. So I don't necessarily think that it's the adjustments of the opponent. I think it's him. He goes into this kind of play-calling shell where he's insecure and conservative compared to the first half, and I think it's all based on his script. Remember, the first half, he's got the script, 20 to 25 plays roughly that he's had all week to practice on, to design, to come up with these really creative, uh, innovative ways to exploit the defense, and they're magnificent. But that's only for a quarter and a half of football. There's two and a half quarters of football that's all improvisational, and most of it is just a chess match within the game making adjustments on the fly. It's improv. It's freestyle. And I think Sark is bad at that. I don't think he has he has not developed that ability as a play caller to adjust on the fly and win the chess match within the game. So I think, like I said, my suggestion is he should track the rates of all of these individual cheat codes and force multipliers and increase them, all of them, from the first half to the second half. Don't allow – like I said, he has some that he does increase. Like in the Tech game, he had more pre-snap motion and RPO, higher RPO rates in the second half compared to the first half. But he still had fewer targets to motion, fewer multi-back sets, fewer Wildcats, fewer 6-0 line packages, fewer empty sets, fewer bunch formations and condensed sets, fewer play-action pass. You know, 
instead of less of all the things that make your offense great, do more. Just do more. Just try that one time. We've been begging for that. I, I, every time I track it, the losses where he hits the, the lead at halftime or the double-digit lead or the lead in the fourth quarter, I track less of these really unique conceptual signatures. And I'm telling you, you should just do more, 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 not less. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing less of it? That makes your offense cool. Why are you doing less of what makes your offense tough to defend? It makes no sense at all. So that would be my first, that's my first suggestion. Second would be, ask Gary Patterson, assistant to the head coach, to reverse engineer every game plan you have. Give it to him. Hand it to him on Thursday or Friday and say, give me every way you would adjust to the front, to the coverage, to the pressure packages. Give me your adjustment, A, B, C, D, and E, so that you can already have creative counters ready to go in the game ahead of time. Now, will all those counters match up to what Gary Patterson gave you? No, not all of them, but some of them will. It will at least give you a starting point mm-hmm. to make the second half script and make the adjustments. Someone said Stark needs a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something. Hey, it works for Drake and Kanye. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah. Right? So that's another suggestion. Second suggestion, or third, I should say. <laughs> Get Britain Mary and Kyle Flood to call your scripted plays. They're already scripted. You practice them all week long. They already, everybody knows those plays. You don't even need to call them. That's so autopilot. Yeah. Let Brendan Marion and Kyle Flood do that while you sit there and you take notes, all right, make observations, sit there with Gary Patterson and whoever's up in the booth and say, all right, guys, we need to come up with a second-half script, and we got about a quarter and a half to do it. Yep, get it quick. All right, so I just need we need to come up with our best concepts versus whatever coverages and fronts and pressure packages that they're, they're executing, and that'll help you get at least a head start on making the adjustments. Mm-hmm. We're just throwing out suggestions. I don't know how to fix it. I'm just giving you the what. I don't know the why. I don't know the why. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know the how. Well, well, I think the best thing that you, you said was he only he knows the why. Only he knows it. And, and we can look at it. You can break it down. And every time I, I sit and I look at what's going on, the conservative part of him gets him in trouble because of the fact that he's done so well with that first script that it just does it makes everything else look bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it, it you did yeah. so good yeah. that you got us hyped. No, I'll tell you. And then all of if, a sudden it goes back to sputter, sputter, sputter. If Sark was a student, we would accuse him of plagiarism. If he was a student handing in, if he was handing in into you so an essay, yeah. you would accuse him of plagiarism because when you asked him to write the write another essay in class, he couldn't do it. <laughs> but when you let him go home and write the essay, it's the best essay that the teacher has ever. She's like, "This is this is award winning." Yes, you're gonna yeah. win like a Pulitzer for this. Thing. This is amazing. Yeah. You're like, "Could you write this right now? Could you write an essay about, uh, you know, the uh, socioeconomic developments uh, in urban neighborhoods?" Just yeah. really quickly, can you do that? Oh yeah, I can do it. And he doesn't. It's like this is crap. It's yeah. terrible. It's, it's like, like, what, wait, what wait, happened? I thought who, you were. Who wrote you, this for who you? Who wrote this exactly? Who wrote this? You for would you? accuse him of first half plagiarism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who right. the hell is writing your script, Sark? Come you on, man, because this ain't the same. You, you, that I, that, it ain't the same. It ain't translating. It ain't translating. It's, it's not translating to what I so see. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on yeah. there. But he, like I said, he's that, 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 I, that's why I am reluctant to give him the genius tag for a play caller. Right. He is a brilliant play designer. He is an amazing offensive coordinator and offensive mind. But to be a play caller, you have to be able to adjust on the fly. That's like three-fourths of the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the script is only good for twenty five plays. It's the and first they ain't quarter. Grading on the curve. That's it, man. We need more. 
Sorry, he's a ghost writer. I like that. That was that good. One. That, was that was good. good. <laughs> that was really good. Someone said, uh, yes, yeah, Sark would suck at whose line is it anyway? I'm trying to figure that one out. Hey, hey, I, I'm like, I like that they got the dub Dubs. and they're making, uh, they're making strides. Love the dub. Uh, but the next phase of evolution for Sark, he's got to become a better second half coach. And he's going to be challenged in the second half. This week. Ooh, I mean, the best second-half team in the country. Exactly. They're the best second-half team in the country. Yeah, and you better match wit for wit. Come on. I now. told you about the, the tweet that I saw. Texas, I so believe that Texas can beat them easily, beat TCU easily. All Sark needs to do is get us up 70 at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's okay. it. And, and, and you know what? That's the game plan. With his opening scripts, I he might get close. Right. There's no doubt about that. His scripts are amazing, man. Yep. His yep. scripts are amazing. I mean, he's right up there with – he can with the Cohen brothers. And you He's know, sort, more to score Scorsese, yeah. yeah, more to score Scorsese. Throw right. him out there, man. I mean, Tarantino. Yeah, his scripts are right up there with some of the best scripts in Hollywood. Yeah, no doubt. But the ending would suck. It'd be like, I saw that ending coming. <laughs> I mean, like, he's so good. Terrible ending. Yeah. Terrible ending. All right, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get into uh, oh, touch Texas basketball. Yep. It's coming up there tonight. You got the uh, opening night of Texas basketball. We'll talk about that all right here on Ball Don't Lie on one hundred four nine The Horn. Welcome back to Smooth Soul Monday. Oh, little Al Green for you? Wow. That's beautiful. Man. Gotta love it. Uh, Gotta yeah, love it. Al Green's underappreciated. We just throw that out there randomly. Not at my house. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, at your boy's house. Not OG. <laughs> not the OG Harge uh, over uh-uh. here. I like that. Uh, all right, Harge, uh, you are not going to the Texas basketball game tonight, are you? I am not going to be able okay. to make it. we got some other things that are going on, but I will be tuning in to check out this new version, this yeah, exciting, high-flying, energetic mm-hmm. basketball team. And here's another part of it. You know, we've been talking about second half adjustments and being able to to adhere to some of the players that you have. Oh, yeah. And that is something that I have been pushing for Chris Beard. I know he's a defensive-minded, very tough, mm-hmm. in-your-face type of coach. But with this basketball team and the athleticism that they play with, I think it's important to let them get up and down the floor. They have Transition. The, they have the type of players. And the one thing that I was very – uh, critical of last year is the fact that they didn't let that team run. And maybe it was because uh, Sark, maybe it was because Coach Beard really wanted to mm-hmm. grind it out and he didn't want to get into that up and down type of basketball team because he may not have had the players yeah. that he thought he did. But this is, a, this is a team that can get up and down the floor. And let's talk about it. I mean, heck, they made a bunch of three-pointers the other day, which was rare for this basketball team. That is what I want to see. I want to see the improvement mm-hmm. on the shooting. I want to. We know they're going to play defense. I'm not worried about the defense. Everybody in the Big 12 is playing defense. Exactly. You got to do something to set yourself apart. <laughs> you got to do something, and you got to be able to knock down those threes because yeah. last year they struggled with them. They did. They were ill-advised threes. Now it seems like they've got some guys that actually know how to shoot the basketball. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good things happening for the offense. You're right. They're going to emphasize tempo. They're going to emphasize play, try to get out in transition more, use their athleticism at the team. Texas is really athletic. Yeah. But get out in transition so you don't have to even face those great half-court defenses in the Big 12. Yep, you, don't want to, you don't want them to get back and get those guys, get those defenses set up. So that's one thing. But also they got a true point guard now. Yeah. 
Uh, they, you got a true point they guard. They got a true point guard. And that's, that's, a Thompson, time, that's a that's big, big time. That's a big time move for them. Because yeah. now Marcus Carr can move over to the two guard. Exactly. Because he got he would get to the point where he would just be dribbling the whole time, and he wasn't being aggressive the yeah. way that he normally would play, like he played in the Big Ten. Now I think he's got some of that, and you got two guys that can bring the ball up the court. Yeah. Those are big things for me too. And again, I keep saying it: if you get opportunities to run. Run. That's why I think yeah, having Run. Tyrese Hunter is going to help too. I think yeah. he's going to push the rock a lot. Uh, and man, they're they're they got so much veteran experience. They're they're yep. they're a veteran team. They got super seniors galore on this team. Correct. Marcus Carr is a super senior. Timmy Allen is a super senior. Hell, Christian Bishop super senior. And they may be a part of the starting group right there. But yep. then you got uh, Jabari Rice is going to be a senior. Dylan Dessou. Uh, Brock Cunningham, I'm forget about lot. him. Brock, got Brock could be in college for 12 years. I don't <laughs> even know. That's my dude. I love me some uh, Brock, Chris Beer, he loves him some Brock, too. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of excitement about this Texas basketball team, man, because uh, you got a lot of talent coming back. You got a lot of experience. And the infusions, the acquisitions you made, the infusion of talent was at key positions. Point guard, need somebody to push the rock for mm-hmm. you. Uh, and even Dylan Mitchell. I've been hearing stuff about this freshman yeah. that he is a special certified freak. Special. Like explosive freak. Yeah, I love it. That may not be here for long. Yep, that's just like something we got to look at. He wanted it. You know, you got to look and see yeah, what man. it is. So you get, you sit and you try to figure out what's going to be next for uh, this team. And you got some players out there that might be able to help you and, and give you a better look yeah. as a team. Yeah, no, I can't. I, actually, I can't wait to watch this group, especially they're going to be pushing the rock, uh, forcing turnovers on mm-hmm. defense because we know that they play hellacious D. That's just part of the DNA of a Chris Beard team. But now them getting out in transition with all that athleticism they have now, I think it's going to be a really exciting product. So uh, first Texas basketball game at the Mood. The Are mood. they called it the Mood? Is it's that the a, Mood. Is that signs up saying it, it's the Mood? There's signs that said Mood, so McConaughey, taking, McConaughey did this. They've been he? taking pictures in front of okay. it. You know, right. so you know what? Be in the mood, baby. it's the mood. All yeah. right, get in the mood. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Get, get in, in the, the mood. mood. At the mood. Get in the mood. I'm That's going right. to the mood tomorrow. Actually, I'm I going to see Chris I Rock. I am too. I'm going to see Chris Rock That's tomorrow right. uh, at the mood. So. Have you been to the mood yet? I, I I went for just an event, but it wasn't nothing was happening. Like it was yeah, like yeah. a company, some company yeah. was hosting an event there. Yeah. But I haven't been for like a sporting event or like a music event or anything okay. like that. So. Okay. Uh, all right. We're coming back. We got one more hour left. Uh, we'll get into NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Had an NFL head coach that was fired. Also, we got Cowboys discussion to get into. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 Horn.